0: Hello and welcome to the Jewish Studies channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Moses Lappin, and today I'm joined by Professor Noam Zadov to talk about his recent book, Gershon Sholem, From Berlin to Jerusalem and Back, an Intellectual Biography, published by Brandeis University Press in 2018. Professor Zadov is an Assistant Professor of Jewish Studies and of History, and the Director of the Olamot Center at Indiana University, Bloomington. Our topic of conversation today is Gershon Sholem, From Berlin to Jerusalem and Back, in which picking up from Scholem's own autobiography with his arrival in Jerusalem in 1923, uniquely, Professor Zadov situates his thought in the context of his biography, with particular focus on his ongoing relationship to Germany and German thought. The book is divided into three sections that focus on Scholem's early period in Jerusalem, his political activities, relationship to the Hebrew language, and to the Hebrew University. The next section is about Scholem's response to the Holocaust, and the pivotal role he played in collecting and reclaiming manuscripts and books that were formerly the inheritance of the Jewish communities of Europe. Lastly, and perhaps the most revealing section of the book, Professor Zadow focuses on Sholem's return to Germany and his reception there. Although he continued to live in Israel, he began once again publishing in German and was accepted amongst German intellectuals and received in the popular imagination of the German people. I had a wonderful time reading the book, and I'm excited to have its author with us today. Good morning, Professor Zadov. I'm excited for this opportunity to discuss your book. And to begin, may you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to write Gershon Cholom from, Jeru- from Berlin to Jerusalem and back.
1: Yes, uh, thank you very much and good morning. Um, well, the story of the writing of this book begins in Jerusalem, actually, at the Hebrew University where I um, studied uh, Machshev of Israel, that is Jewish studies with uh, an emphasis on Kabbalah. And um, there Gershom Scholem and his figure was, of course, very uh, dominant and prominent. And you could almost feel him uh, um, uh, hovering over the corridors of, of, of Mount Scopus. And questions that are dealing with uh, Gershom Scholem uh, uh, and his figure were always part of my uh, studying uh, uh, but then, reading his biography, I suddenly realized that it was ended actually when Gershom Scholem was only 27 years old. And he didn't write any sequel or any continuation um, that reveals more about the uh, later chapters of his life. And this was the moment that I asked myself, what is uh, the strate- strategical thought of uh, autobiographical writing? What were the reasons that made uh, Scholem choose to end his biography uh, at this uh, early point. What is it there that he didn't want the reader to know? And then I came to um, um, to look at the history of the publication of the book, and I saw that it was first published actually in German and in Germany, and not in Hebrew. And the Hebrew translation is a, only a later one. It's an elaborated translation, but it's a later one. And therefore, um, um, I tried to see this uh, narrative, this one way uh, to re-examine or revise this one way uh, narrative of uh, from Berlin to Jerusalem, a story that begins in one place and ends in one place. And I wanted to uh, see and examine what happened with Berlin after uh, Sholem arrived to Jerusalem and stopped telling the story of his transition from Europe to uh, Palestine. And this is how I got to uh,
0: The subtitle of the book la- labels it an intellectual biography. Um, and although rather than simply focus on his writings about Jewish history and Zionism and Kabbalah, you situate his thought within a wider narrative um, that focuses on the various contexts in which Sholem himself thought. Um, could you please just describe the book and, and the structure of the book for our readers?
1: Yes, of course. The, the book actually picks up, it's it structured chronologically and really picks up the thread at the same point that Sholem left it upon his arrival to Jerusalem and his um, um, appointment as a lecturer at the uh, Institute of, for Jewish Studies at the Hebrew University, and after locating the background of this of, of, of this uh, um, atmosphere or this moment, I go on to describe um, what actually what were his activities at the time and. While researching, I realized that um, Gershom Scholem, probably as many of us, moved and acted within uh, social networks, his intellectual networks, and the thoughts uh, of or the thought uh, of which he was a part and which he was uh, sharing. He was always sharing with others. And then uh, um, I wanted to reveal or started to um, um, examine some of those uh, networks. For example. The circle of Brichalom um, of the bi nationalist um, group uh, of professor of the Hebrew University, most of them were uh, Central European origin speaking uh, German, or uh, another small smaller circle of which Cholen was not part, Hugaol, the Yoke Circle, uh, whom also uh, acted or met in Rehavia and was part of uh, Exchange about the meaning of religion uh, at the time, and then slowly, I, following those German-speaking networks, I saw that they lead back to Germany, and they lead back to Germany after mainly after the Holocaust. And the Holocaust is the event that stands actually at the center of the book, even if it's not. If I'm, I'm not talking directly or not writing directly about it, because Sholem himself. Almost never referred directly to the Holocaust. I still think that it is um, probably um, Gershom Scholem's major turning point in his life, um, um, where he lost both his closest brother, uh, Bernard Scholem, who died in 1940, a communist who died in 1940 at the Buchenwald concentration camp, or Walter Benjamin, who uh, um, died. Um, in the Pyrenees, uh, in Port Boul, uh, fleeing from uh, Nazi or uh, occupied uh, France. And uh, those deaths and these events really affected him, even, or maybe because of that, he didn't write about it. Um, and slowly I discovered, or well, reading the material, that one of the major things that the Holocaust serves as a, as, a, as a turning point is that it marked actually a way of a return to Germany, an intellectual return to Germany. And this had to do both with the potential of the role he could play in Germany, as well as his, um, what I called, uh, disillusionment with his own private Zionist utopia.
0: The, the subtitle of the book, From Berlin to Jerusalem and Back, echo and yet are in some way in opposition to the title of Scholem's own autobiography. Uh, your subtitle suggests that there's more to the life story, as you mentioned, than a simple tale of progress um, that begins in Berlin and ends in Jerusalem. Um, and you mentioned just now that the Holocaust was a moment um, of this turn in Sholem's life. Uh, and later on in in the book, you mentioned a second turn of his return to Germany. Um, could you reflect for a moment on these sort of turns in his life, this return to Germany?
1: Yes, Um well, in order to do that, we'll have to look about what, or examine what was exactly Sholem's Zionism or Zionist conviction. And Sholem's Zionism was not far from the mainstream. It was a very individualistic one and very idealistic one who saw the fulfillment of um, Jewish national aspirations not in the form uh, of a state or a political organization, but actually in the spirit of Ahad Am, uh, the Jewish, the famous Jewish writer, uh, and journalists, he saw it as a cultural building, a cultural center uh, in in Palestine, in Eretz Israel at the time. Um, the events and the way they were developed at the the, the bloody uh, events of uh, 1929, and um, then afterwards the um, and the Holocaust itself. Showed Sholem that, in a very ironical and sad way, his own utopia cannot be fulfilled, not because uh, of uh, something uh, went wrong. Not only with Zionism something went wrong, but the circumstances around the world made it uh, uh, to be um, that what was needed is actually shelter for Jews, physical shelter, and not uh, and the, the prospect of having first a cultural center. Um, is actually uh, irrelevant. And this disillusionment um, was central in Scholem's, or is central in Scholem's thought uh, during those years. Um, And you can see that it actually brought him in a way to look for different, or to redefine his own place in, in Germany, or among German circles and social networks. For example, After the war, although um, going and searching for um, looted Jewish books in uh, devastated Europe um, brought Sholem almost to a point of mental collapse, and he returned to his home uh, in in the neighborhood of Rehavia, really a broken man. Uh, That was in 1946, at the fall of 1946. In 1949, he was in Switzerland participating uh, there in the Eranos uh, meetings, Eranos conference, who was actually founded by um, no other than Carl Gustav Jung, who is known for his affiliation to the uh, Nazi movement in the early 30s. So the question is, or how could it be, or what is the reason for, um, for Scholem to do such a step or to, to move... Uh, um, Part, at least part of his intellectual activity back to Switzerland. And that had to do, of course, with the nature of the meetings, the nature um, of uh, those were the Eranos meetings were meetings that took place once a year at the lovely village of Ascona on Lago Maggiore, uh, in which religious, re- religious uh, scholars, scholars of religion uh, from all over the world took part. Uh, and they were taking, uh, combining uh, academic activity with a lot of leisure. The uh, format was um, 10 days in which uh, there were 10 presentations and uh, one presentation a day of one and a half hour. And the rest of the day was dedicated just to um, um, eating around the big table, uh, bathing in the sea, in the lake, um, having conversation with colleagues. And this... Uh, environment and atmosphere was very attractive and charming uh, to um, to Sholen. but from Eranus it went on and moved on to a different network, which was the Zurich Ham publishing house in Frankfurt. Uh, where first, while well, first, his books, his German books, were published in a, a Swiss publisher, Jewish uh, Swiss publisher uh, um, um, in Zurich after. Uh, a while after this publisher um, was not active anymore, he was uh, bought by Zurkamp uh, Verlag, Zurkamp Publishing House in Frankfurt. And so um, the center of the activity of Scholem spread beyond Switzerland, also back to Germany, where he was received and accepted as a, as a central figure, uh, as, a, in an ironical way, a true uh, German since he disappeared or since he uh, escaped or went away from Germany before the big catastrophe, he could serve as a model, as a role model for a younger German generation um, uh, who could not trust the generation of the parents anymore because of the moral corruption. And this is what brought him or gave him um, this special stand uh, in Germany.
0: Thank you for that uh, succinct summary of the book. I think that really encapsulates... Uh, much of the structure and, and summarizes the content of the book. Uh, before we move on to a closer reading of uh, some of your arguments in the book and some of the interesting things that you bring out of Sholem's life, um, I wanted to reflect briefly on, on the method that you write the book. It's it's interesting um, because you're writing a book about Sholem that continues on from his autobiography. So I was wondering if you could briefly reflect on this. What was it like to write a biography uh, in the shadow of an autobiography?
1: Well, the strategies of the person who's writing his own life, and the person who's writing the life of uh, of someone else are, of course, and totally different, you no? Know? Um, what I found interesting in this, this touching point, this, this, this point where Scholem's autobiography and my, and my book uh, touched, uh, I found it interesting to, um, um, not only, uh, critically examine Scholem's autobiography but uh, also to give it a place a structure in my biography for in my book uh, for me to understand um, um Sholem's from Berlin to Jerusalem the context of Gershom Scholem's life um, you have to look or to the for the role that it played and what i realized is that the the whole book uh, uh, this whole narrative of one way movement for Berlin to Jerusalem was actually created in order to allow uh, Gershom Scholem uh, a sort of a return to Germany. Uh, by telling the story of leaving Germany in German to German audience, he was accepted as um, um, not only as an authentic Jew, uh, but also as an authentic uh, German back into the German uh, academic world, which he left when he was. Uh, very young. Th- this doesn't mean um, that this was uh, happening only or that he totally turned his back away on, on Israel. He was still active in Israel, of course. He was the um, head uh, of the uh, Israeli Academy of Sciences. Uh, he was uh, very present in the Israeli clinical. It was not a clear, straightforward return. It was a he was a half returnee in that sense that means that he didn't give up his identity as an israeli but he but he was uh, more and more uh, being present academically in, among uh, different german uh, institutions uh, writing in german publishing in german he stopped the last book that he was he published originally in hebrew was in 1957 which is quite early in his career from that on this uh, monography on, on Shabtai Tzvi was practically his last monograph that he wrote in Hebrew, and from that on he wrote only in English and in German, and more than in the U.S., although he was very much present in the U.S. as well, but more than that, he was emotionally attached to uh, Germany. So the biography, my biography, had to also look uh, not only on uh, Gershom Scholem's life uh, and not only about the way he described his own life in his autobiography, but to locate uh, the place that Scholem's, or the role that Scholem's autobiography uh, plays in his own life.
0: We're going to take a bit of a closer look at the book now. Um, Part one of your book entitled Continuity of the Crisis, Hope and Disillusion, 1923 to 1938, um, begins by exploring Sholem's political commitments upon his arrival in Jerusalem, um, particularly his relationship, as you mentioned before, to Brit Shalom and the events of 1929, as well as his relationship to other types of Zionism. Um, you mentioned a Chada'am amongst others. Um, could you expand on this a little bit?
1: So, one of the main challenges that awaited Sholem when arriving to Jerusalem was the fact that he was living a very uh, central and vivid uh, uh, a Jewish atmosphere in Berlin and in Frankfurt and in Bad Homburg, uh, and in Munich, um, and arrived, arriving actually into a peripheral colony, uh, um, of the British Empire. Um, as town, Jerusalem was a city, uh, in which cultural life was not, nothing to compare with, with what you could find in a major city of, of, Europe at the time. Um, and uh, this, at the same time, it was a city that was, or it was a time where Jerusalem was de- developing uh, and things were happening, like the Hebrew University um, and, uh, and, and the different circles, the Rehavia neighborhood, which was um, being built back then. And more and more people who immigrated uh, and arrived created an own, uh, let's say, um Community of, of, of Zionists over there, and part of it was um, um, activity, or the beginning, or the continuation of, of a literary activity, uh, and uh, science, uh, European type of, of, of science. And in all this, um, Sholem took part, and this was part of his own uh, growth. Um, the political circles, as I mentioned, were part of it, but they're also close to the Hebrew University, uh, and, and part of these uh, different communities.
0: That, that's, that's great. I think, I think that does cover some of the, some of the major points, um, of that, of that first section, um, and does segue actually into, into your next piece, which is about the Hebrew university. Um, one of the things that you tackle in your book and something that's very difficult to understand in Sholem's biography, uh, particularly in light of your research about his reception in Germany, uh, is the image that he had in, in Israel. Um, as somebody who was one of the founding fathers, I suppose, of the Hebrew University and of Jewish studies in Israel, um, and as well as in his administrative positions, um, where he had great power and and a lot of influence. Um, Could you continue talking about his involvement in the Hebrew University with other Jerusalem scholars um, and his administration work, not just in this period, but I suppose as it continues on uh, throughout his life?
1: Yes, of course. Um, So... Actually, the beginning of of beginning of uh, um, of Sholem's career, uh, 1925 at the university, um, um, are being told or at least being seen uh, as going hand in hand with the development of what he sees as developing uh, the field of Kabbalah as an academic field. Now, Sholem very often liked to present himself as someone who did that out of scratch. There was nothing there before, and he. Uh, brought the field of uh, Kabbalah uh, um, and, and uh, put it on its feet. And it's not true. There were researchers there. There were people researching in Berlin. There were publishing houses, publishing Kabbalah uh, text. But it is true that Gershom scholem was the first one to institutionalize um, uh, Kabbalah as an academic field. And for doing by doing that, he had to have uh, immediately, almost instantly, he got uh, or... Uh, belongs to um, the founding fathers of the Hebrew University with all the uh, attributes that this role um, and brings with it. Um, the first generation of students, uh, shaya Tishpi and Yosef Aiz and Chaim Virchovsky uh, at the 1930s, 40s, um, was um, the, let's say, the second, or maybe the first generation of scholars of Kabbalah that came out of Sholem school. And their students uh, were actually, until recently, um, professors at the uh, students and, and, stu- and, and, and students of students were professors uh, at the Hebrew University. So, in that sense, um, Gershom Sholem himself is a beginner of some kind of a generation of researchers that are dealing uh, with the field. Of Kabbalah. As such, he was very often or sometimes um, um, very much uh, criticized or even feared of and hated, but at the same time admired. I think that this was also one of the attractions of Germany uh, to Scholem, where he didn't have this role, of uh, this father role, uh, and therefore um, he could. Um, act in that sense more freely and be uh, closer to his um, um, younger colleagues, uh, which were not his students, but his colleagues at the time. Uh, And this also, uh, moving between the two worlds, had also its charm for uh, Sholem himself. As part of the um, reception of Sholem, we can see that right after his death in 1982, there was a process, a natural process of a uh, father uh, um, 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 father murder or uh, patricide uh, where he was um, actually vehemently criticized by many uh, of his students, uh, but also by uh, other scholars and journalists. Um, I think that what we see now is the post-patricide period where um, um, his figure uh, shines again in that sense. But with its complexity, since now we have the archives um, and the archives of, of Scholem are accessible and they have vast amounts of material. And this is a, a fertile field for uh, researchers to um, work in and come out with many different and intriguing conclusions about uh, his rich life and his rich intellectual world.
0: Outside of the Hebrew University, he was involved during this period in the pre-state period Um amongst the discourse around the creation of the Hebrew language. And there are two figures in particular that you single out in your book, uh, Sholem's relationship with Shaya Gnon uh, and with Chaim Nachman Bialik. Uh, what were those relationships like? And Reddy, what was that discourse around the Hebrew language about?
1: Well, of course, for uh, cultural Zionists like, like Sholem, um, one of the missed features of the revival of the Jewish people was The revival and uh, using of the Jewish uh, language, Hebrew, Um, but Hebrew had a very um, um, paradoxical role or very um, um, tricky role in that sense, since it was about the whole idea was about to revive a dead language or a holy language and make it applicable, make it a usable language. You don't want to, on the one hand. You don't want to lose the old meaning of the language, and I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, but uh, then again, you have to, um, 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 still you have to put it under um, a process of renewal and make it uh, usable, for example, for children at the playground. Um, for um, Scholem was very important the idea of the generation of, um, of revival or the generation uh, of transition, to, in which, uh, to his eye, to his mind, uh, um, Agnon and um, and Bialik stood. That is, they were rooted in the old Hebrew, in the old Jewish world, but their heads were towards the re- renewal of the language, the r- national secular renewal of the language, and they kept both worlds in the writing, so to say. They were able to serve for the new generation uh, access or to provide to the new generation access to the old scripts without losing uh, the meaning. And losing the religious meaning of the language, uh, totally disconnecting the language from its roots, was, in Scholem's eyes, dangerous. He wrote about it in his letter to Franz Rosenzweig, which is, uh, in the meanwhile, one of his most famous letters, when he uh, said that the religious um, meaning of language is like um, um, almost like an explosive, that you cannot really ignore it. Because if you ignore it at a certain point, um, this, um, all of this religious burden that was put on the language over thousands of years will take its revenge on the people who use it without really um, knowing its meaning. And this is what he Thought that um, Agnon and Bialik almost remedy, almost they provide. And this is to mitigate this tension between the holy element in the language and the secular one.
0: How did these early years in Israel, uh, from 1923 until 1938, set the stage for his later work and his his later life project? or perhaps do you believe that the Holocaust and the establishment of the state formed a rupture uh, between these early years and the later years?
1: I think that there were, um, before that, you could see beginnings of, uh, of research and and, and and writing in many fields. Here's the major trends in Jewish mysticism, who was published uh, really in 1941, at the midst of the Holocaust, um, was, uh, of course, is still one of his major works, but it is an a, an an attempt to explore or to portray uh, a map of uh, of Jewish mystical thought uh, and and its different different types of Jewish mystical thought over the years. It was it's, it's written chronologically, um, like so. Um, it has an historical aspect, but I think the, the idea and the title "Major Trends in Jewish Mysticism" shows that it had. Um, um, an intention to uh, draw a portrait of the map of a general map of a Jewish uh, mystical uh, thought, but um, the major development, uh, his uh, big biography on chapter v was something that was he started working on at the in the forties, but it ended only afterwards. And the work that he done after the years uh, of the Holocaust was more, he was um, vaster and in many other languages and he returned back also to uh, things that he started before. The Holocaust was served as a turning point also in Sholem's um, research for example in the way that he understood um, the evil uh, in in Kabbalah uh, or the notion that actually um, the Development in Jewish history comes out of trauma. Um, some of the things were revised and criticized by his pupils and also by his colleagues. Um, and some of them were um, also stood in the middle of uh, criticism of the time. For example, when he published his work on uh, Jakob Frank, Redemption Through Sin in 1937, right afterwards he was accused by orthodox Jewish um, scholars uh, that actually uh, making a hero of, of an heretical figure like Jakob Frank uh, is giving authorization to look at uh, malevolent figures like Hitler uh, in a positive way. And, and Jacob Frank was very often compared um, to Hitler uh, in that sense. And therefore, uh, Scholem was criticized of being... Uh, looking favorably uh, at figure as such um which was of course not true but it's still intriguing to ask uh what was or where did this um this um, interest in trauma in jewish history uh, and evil or uh, in the um, parts that um, um, are um, not not staying with the conform or uh, Going out of the uh, conformant Orthodox Judaism, what do they serve uh, in Sholem's uh, thoughts and ideological world as well?
0: The center part of your book focuses on Sholem's response to the Holocaust. Um, and before we get there, I was just wondering if you can tell the listeners a little bit about Sholem during the period of the Holocaust. Uh, you mentioned his giving of the, the lectures in, in America and in New York that uh, became the book Major Trends happened during this period. Um, during the destruction of European Jewry and, as you mentioned, uh, people who were close to Sholem, uh, what was his life like and what was his unfolding thinking about the Holocaust uh, as it was happening?
1: Well, to understand Sholem's thoughts or feelings about the Holocaust, I think we should go back uh, practically to the role which is not in my book but to the role uh, of the First World War uh, in Scholem's um, life um, the First World War served really as a as a traumatic point uh, in Scholem for Scholem's uh, back then young biography or uh, and and he saw or all that he saw and experienced inclusive his own drafting to the army and getting out uh, on a the excuse of uh, having a mental illness uh, which he claimed to have uh, been faked but it's not clear to what extent it was faked or not and his reaction were of a total total despair a personal despair and a very difficult personal moment and those things we see exactly come back during the second world war it was like uh, a relapse to what he experienced uh, before he is talking, uh, in his private diaries, he's talking about suicide, about being lonely, uh, about um, uh, all the hopes that he had in his youth uh, were lost and are lost. And, of course, it is understandable uh, in face of the, distru- the measures of the destruction that and the fear and anxiety that, in which the Yeshua the Jewish population uh, in the land of Israel was feeling at the time. And... Um, he. There are not many sources that reveal um, Sholem's feeling during this time. He was productive. Uh, he wrote, as you rightly mentioned, he had shortly before the war uh, his lectures in New York, which afterwards became his book. Um, but in 1944, he wrote a very curious uh, article about um, thoughts about Jewish studies, al um, in which he criticizes in a very vehement, in a very uh, uh, picturesque and morbid language the previous generations of uh, science of Judaism, of Jewish studies. And he said that actually all their intention was to bury Judaism. Uh, uh, in their apologetic uh, attitudes towards the German uh, academic world. And they wanted to hide away all um, irrational elements uh, in Judaism, and as he said, to give Judaism actually a decent uh, burial in that sense. Um, In this article from 1944, he blames um, Zionism or Zionist science that actually didn't manage to change anything in that sense. So to say, um, Zionism wanted to uh, give a different science of Judaism, something that would not be apologetic, that would not um, 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 feel ashamed for uh, Jewish phenomenons. But uh, according to him uh, at the time, nothing has changed, actually. And what you do is the other way, only that this time the apologetic is in the direction of Zionism and not a, a Jewish national identity and not against uh, Jewish identity. Um, I see or in my book, I, I read this article as almost a post-traumatic reaction to the Holocaust. The loss, um, among many other things, the loss of um, people, uh, of manpower, of, of, of working hands, that uh, the Zionist uh, um, ideology organization was relying upon to build the land um, was a devastating fact for Zionism, and Sholem was not was not excluded from that. And the hopes to build the land uh, seemed uh, in 1944 to build the homeland uh, seemed um, diff- more difficult than ever before, um, and therefore. Um, I think that this famous article about the Science of Judaism is um, um, a reaction, in a way, an indirect reaction to the Holocaust.
0: A large part of the section um, of this response to the Holocaust focuses on Sholem's heroic efforts after the war in going back to Europe um, and trying to reclaim some of the, the property that was then um, taken from the Jewish communities. Um, and irrespective of his own personal circumstances, uh, you detail this this trip and this experience on Sholem's life. This is part of another theme in your book and in Sholem's life, um, which is his relationship to books. Uh, when he arrives in Jerusalem, his first position is as a librarian at the library. Um, and after the war, uh, books played a large part in his life uh, and still exist in the Sholem Library at the National Library um, till today. Can you reflect first a little bit about this period during that um, late 40s when Sholem went back to Europe to reclaim these books, Um, and if you can also situate this in the larger frame of his life, his relationship to books, his collecting, um, and as well as his involvement in the establishment of the National Library?
1: Sholem was sent after the war, um, immediately after the war, by uh, the Hebrew University and the National Library. to search for collections of books that were looting, looted by the Nazis and uh, found uh, again um, by the liberating forces, especially in the American zone. Um, there was not much known, and travel was very difficult at the time, but they took the mission and went uh, um, trying to um, enter Germany, or to get, receive a permission to enter Germany, which it didn't. And it was really difficult. And only after four months and after going to Switzerland and to Czechoslovakia and back he received um, the promised authorization. Um, And entering Germany, he suddenly returned also to the landscapes of his youth. But only this time it was um, ruined Europe. And searching for the books for this property of um, people uh, that were murdered uh, Jews that were murdered um, and at the same time wandering through uh, those devastated landscapes had a really difficult and heavy uh, influence on his uh, on him during this period of time he saw this as a mission and he wanted his aim was to get into the small town of Offenbach uh, next to Frankfurt uh, on mine uh, where there was an archival depot where many many of the collected books were uh, um, put into before returning them into the rightful owners and um, he wanted to what Sholem's mission was to uh, look for books who didn't have any legal owners and to um, try and plead or try to uh, gain more information in order for the Hebrew University to claim That they're uh, actually um, the rightful owner or they represent the uh, murdered Jews uh, to whom these books belong. What happened in Sholem's mind through this trip and uh, the adventures that he experienced is that slowly um, the books and the people who owned them uh, became one. And uh, uh, his trip for salvation of books very... uh, as, as 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 long as, I was, as as his travel extended and was going on, um, became actually um, a trip for uh, an attempt or maybe a an, an Don Quixotean attempt uh, to uh, um, save uh, the murdered people or uh, lament for um, the unsaved people. Uh, and when he arrived uh, in in Offenbach, he was sought to receive some kind of a salvation uh, for himself, uh, to some kind of a feeling that he could have done or that he did something, which of course did not happen. And this is what caused, as I show in detail in in the chapter in the book, this is what caused actually um, his um, um, almost... Mental breakdown uh, at the time of this of this trip, and this is the situation in which he returned back uh, to his home. Fanya, his wife Fanya Scholem, um, said uh, many years afterwards that he was lying for months in his bed and refusing to get out, uh, uh, just trying to understand or to um, process the, the, all that he saw and the influence of this gloomy sights. Uh, on him. So books had always have a central did always have a central role in Sholem's life, of course, but it was in this point where uh, I think um, their um, role uh, as representing of something else uh, was uh, the most acute one. The books of the looted, of, of the books of the murdered Jews uh, that were looted by the Nazis seemed to him Uh, as standing for uh, the people who owned them.
0: The final section in your book focuses on Sholem's return to Germany and his reception there. And you begin this with your interest in the Iranus Conference. Uh, Can you just describe for us a little bit further, you mentioned it previously, what exactly the Iranus Conference was um, and really what Sholem's role was in it and why it's important for his biography?
1: Eranos were con- uh, conferences that were um and um, um, yearly conferences that were uh, established at the southern Swiss uh, town of Ascona uh, by um a rich young lady named Olga foerbach and with the uh, um with the support of the uh, psychologist Carl Gustav Jung. The Eranos conferences started in the early 30s. Uh, and, of course, then uh, Scholem was not part of it yet. But um, um, it had a lot to do with the place, and um, 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 more exactly that Ascona was really uh, lying to the foot of a small hill that was called Monte Verita. Uh, and Monte Verita um, was at the time of the First World War, at the turn of the century, in the time of the was First World War, uh, a place of refuge for almost every external, uh, uh, um, um, uh, weird, uh, uh, outsider, outlaw tradition, uh, European tradition. If it would have been nudist or Rosicrucians or naturalist or vegetarians or uh, um, um, dance uh, uh, groups, they all. Um, um, gathered on this hill in different groups. There was also a sanatorium there to um, treat uh, alcoholism. Hermann Hesse was uh, a regular visitor uh, to the sanatorium. Uh, And although by the time that Erano started, this center at Monteverita did not exist anymore, only the rest of it, the um, this place of encounter um, remained uh, and this is why or the reason why uh, Olga frober Kaptain decided to um, um, start her project her uh, meetings there and the idea was to invite every year um, scholars from uh, eastern from the east and from the west to uh, meet there and discuss uh, topics um, uh, of religious studies and uh, the the topics varied. Every year there was a different topic. Uh, but this was an exclusive group. As I said, there were 10 days and 10 speakers, uh, and the rest of the people came as listeners. And because of the format, um, they were very attractive to almost to every scholar that was invited to it. Uh, and Really after, uh, or actually when Sholem arrived in 1946 on a trip uh, searching for the looted books, he arrived in Switzerland and he met Carl Gustav Jung, and Jung was impressed by him and gave his name uh, further to Olga for the captain, and he she invited uh, him to participate in 1947, and of course because of the events uh, uh, in Israel at the time, the war of independence, he could not travel, but um, promised or uh, asked to be invited again in the future, and so. It came that in 1949 he participated there for the first time, and then he remained there or came almost every year for the next 30 years. And uh, some of his most um, intriguing, pathbreaking researches in Kabbalah uh, were uh, based on, on on lectures that he that he gave at Eranos. And um, socially, of course, this was um, a wonderful platform. For someone coming from um, the small and isolated Israel um, to meet and to speak in in the German language with colleagues from Switzerland, from Germany, with the same field of interest. So this this circle was something that uh, could not, did not exist in Israel at the time. And uh, he could only um, um, do that or enjoy that. Traveling and coming to the lecture. With the years, he became one of the central figures of this, uh, of this circle uh, and one of the elders of the tribe and also influenced its structure. Um, because of the circle's um, affiliation with Jung, uh, Sholem was criticized in Israel for participating in it and also criticized for his friendship with other uh, participants like Mirce Eliade and the uh, Romanian um, author and uh, scholar um, who uh, was accused of being part of uh, the fascist groups in Romania in the in, in 1930s. So he dealt with that and he, uh, um, on the one hand, protected uh, his uh, participation uh, in aeronauts, uh, but on the other hand, uh, um, also, change his mind about, for example, about Eliade after uh, the facts were known to him. So this was um, a group or a social network that had a lot to offer to uh, Sholem on the one hand, uh, but uh, on the other hand, he always had to be apologetic or to explain it uh, in Israel.
0: We return now to the influence of Holocaust on Scholem's life, the second chapter um, of this part of your book, uh, Sholem's return to Germany, actually occurs in Jerusalem, uh, and that is the Eichmann trial. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why the Eichmann trial uh, was important for Sholem's life?
1: Um, well, the, the Eichmann trial um, was, of course, a, a, a important for the history of Israel and the uh, and, and Israel intellectual world uh, or at all the Jewish intellectual world. But um, where Sholem's come to the picture is uh, actually with uh, Arends, Hannah Arendt's uh, um, report about uh, the Eichmann trial, the banality of evil, which was published first in the New Yorker and then uh, uh, as a book. Uh, and to which Sholem wrote a very vehement uh, uh, critique, which became one of the uh, most uh, prominent uh, documents of this debate with Hannah Arendt, among others, because uh, to Scholem, Hannah Arendt answered what she refrained to do in many other cases. Um, and um, this event, which would actually mark the end of the relationship of Hannah Arendt and, and Gershom Scholem, or the friendship between the two, um, I uh, use in order to examine the relationship of both sides of, of Hannah Arendt and Gershom Scholem in relation to the Holocaust, to see how um, the, both the different reactions and perceptions of Eichmann and of the trial uh, actually uh, reflect different understandings of uh, Jewish history uh, and, and, and Zionism. Um, also they um, reflect a very complex relationship uh, between two uh, great intellectuals um, that uh, is very, in many ways, very ambivalent. Scholem and Arendt were very close to each other. But this closeness uh, also produced almost instinctively uh, a distance or a need to uh, emphasize a a sort of a distance. Therefore, I um, describe this relationship with the book as some kind of a mask dance, a dance in which uh, each one of the parties uh, intellectually, of course, puts masks on and off uh, in order to uh, reveal and hide his personality uh, and his closeness or his distance from uh, and, and his uh, colleague, his, his friend, actually, his contemporary, um, and, um, for Sholem himself, this is um, another confrontation with the Holocaust and with the um, um, post-Holocaust uh, uh, or the memory of the of the Holocaust uh, afterwards, of course. And this is um, uh, central. As I said, this is a central part of his life. Since he didn't write anything directly about the Holocaust, always have to look for indirect. Uh, Text from which one can understand the role of the Holocaust in his life.
0: As you mentioned, this uh, relationship with Hannah Arendt is something that goes back uh, to his youth, and in many ways their lives mirror one another, uh, particularly in their departure um, from Germany and their continued relationship to German thought. Um, one of the interesting dialogues is about politics. Uh, and for those who know Sholem as an academic scholar of the study of Kabbalah, um, this may be surprising. Can you tell us a little bit about Sholem's politics in the later part of his life?
1: Yes. Uh, well, officially or externally or allegedly, Sholem's political activity ended actually in 1929. After um, Brit Shalom, um, as a political association, uh, disintegrated, he refrained from um, participating in... Um, in any uh, political organization. He was quite critical of Zionism as well, From um, and the way Zionism was established uh, at the State of Israel. Uh, his article on the Star of David uh, shows uh, a lot of implement critique uh, on the Israeli society in 1949 at its beginning. Um, and this c- criticism grew with the time. But interesting enough when someone more critical than him came to the picture, like Hannah Arendt, um, very often Sholem chose to take uh, the opposite opinion, of the opposite direction, the one uh, uh, that actually protects or defends Israeli uh, politics. Um, it is difficult to say or to put the finger exactly on where the real Scholem stays, stands, There is the critic part and there is um, the part, the apologetic part or the defensive part. And I think both should be um, 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 being taken uh, as seriously um, uh, when we consider his his life and his character. Um, But in my book, what I try to show is that Scholem's movement back towards Germany reflects actually um, two changes or ongoing changes uh, in the two different poles of his life. On the one hand, in uh, Israel, there was growing critique and orientation from the political way, and 1977 is another uh, point uh, in this process, um, and on the other hand, the warmth uh and the place that was accorded to him by his German uh, colleagues, um, which was um, a place of admiration uh, and being regarded as, an, not only, as I said, not only as an authentic Jew, but as an authentic Berliner, I said, more German than any other German, uh, which is also ironical in many ways that Gershom Scholem, who left Germany uh, as, a, as a Zionist Jew, returns to it uh, as a, uh, Berliner German, uh, but um, this is the way uh, that I saw it from the from the texts, from the sources.
0: If you can continue and, and expand on that point, um, I was quite interested in something that I hadn't known much about, and that was Scholem's reception in Germany, um, not only as an intellectual figure, but also as a popular figure. Uh, what was this reception like, and how did it differ between intellectual circles uh, and popular circles?
1: Well, uh, I think that reception, let me start with saying that I think that Scholem's reception in Germany was at the end limited also. So he was at the end um, uh, being uh, appreciated mostly among the circles of, of intellectuals and academics. But it was a wide uh, circle, and the love or the admiration to him was not only on the academic level. It wasn't in that sense, it was popular because it was his character. Solemn's arrival to Germany uh, in the 60s, uh, his um, um, entering into um, the German uh, intellectual or consciousness, came over the memory of uh, Walter Benjamin and editing the letters of Walter Benjamin together with Theodor Adorno. And this uh, volume, which was published around the student revolt of 1968, gave or brought not only Benjamin's name into uh, the consciousness and part of the admiration, but also Scholem's name. And Scholem's appeared in Germany or his presence in Germany was almost uh, as a a, a revelation. It was almost as he offered an answer for a generation, for a confused generation of young uh, German scholars. The German students of the time, of the 1960s and 70s, could not really, um, uh, did not have actually a generation of fathers, of teachers, upon which they could, to which they could look up to and admire, and upon which they could uh, rely. Always There was always the question there, what did they do in the time, in the Nazi time? And there was always, not, it was always not clear uh, to the younger generation if you could really trust and rely on those professors morally. And Geshem Sholem offered a a clear solution to that. He was not part of all that. He was Jewish, but at the same time, he was born in Berlin. He was German. He was speaking a dialect that was uh, not known anymore since at the uh, end of the 60s, there was a wall uh, uh, splitting uh, the Spitelmarkt, the neighborhood Uh, in which he was born, which had a special uh, dialect of its own, and Gershom Scholem uh, spoke it and could tell jokes that were um, 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 very much from his own time and uh, evoked in the German colleagues, uh, also in the younger ones, uh, nostalgia to uh, uh, the time of Germany because before it became corrupted. And this was... um, his charm. This was uh, uh, his power over his colleagues. On you can add to that um, that he came from. Uh, he was Jewish, of course, uh, and in that sense, um, he opened the window or access to the mo- one of the most difficult issues at the time. First of all, uh, Jew- Judaism, and secondly, um, um, Israel, which was for many German. The most difficult state to deal with, because of course of the history uh, and in that sense, um, Scholden and his life story um, were both uh, very uh, interesting and very uh, fascinating and very um, useful uh, to uh, to German to the German audience at the time and his writings um, in german. Uh, begin, of course, with the field of Kabbalah, and he wrote always about Kabbalah. But we see there what you don't see in Israel and you didn't see in America as well, that very soon he turns to write uh, and sometimes to uh, combine his research with uh, autobiographical observation. It is not true that Sholem was only a researcher of Kabbalah. We can also look at Sholem as a contemporary historian who writes about uh, Judaism at the turn of the century and at the beginning of the 20th century. This he did quite a lot in German and uh, combined with that his own memoirs and episodes from his own life and experience from before uh, and the Holocaust.
0: Perhaps the major theme in your book, um, or one of the major themes in your book, is the quote unquote German Jewish dialogue. What is the German Jewish dialogue? What was Scholem's thinking about it and did it change?
1: Well, the German-Jewish dialogue was a notion uh, um, that came up after um, uh, the Holocaust in the, in the early 60s in order to describe um, and the relationship or sort of a relationship that Jews and Germans had before the Holocaust. Um, Scholem was very critical to that. And it all started with um, with uh, an invitation uh, to write, uh, to have a contribution to a, a fest trip, uh, uh, in honor of the uh, German writer, Jewish writer who lived in Switzerland, Margarete Zussmann. Um, and the theme of the fest trip was uh, the German, the unbreakable German Jewish dialogue. Um, Gershom Scholem refused to participate in this uh, or to have a a normal contribution to this volume, but he wrote a letter to the editor which was published in the volume. In this letter, he said that actually the notion of a German-Jewish dialogue is a blasphemy uh, because there was never a dialogue there. There was only the voices, the Jewish voices, who wanted to be part uh, of the German society and the German voices that were actually at the end uh, um, uh, rejecting this wish to participate. And it was not a dialogue, but it was a desperate uh, call or a monologue of Jews of wanting to be part of something, um, which ended uh, uh, in the most tragic way. Um, this, was, this article was the beginning of a debate and a sequence, uh, a sequence of articles that were doing, dealing with this question uh, and elaborating on this point of the non-existing uh, German-Jewish dialogue and about the notion of it uh, being existing. Uh, the ironical thing about it, and also the interesting one, is that uh, in many ways, Scholem's talking about a non-existing German-Jewish dialogue before the Holocaust, the, the whole, this whole debate itself, was the beginning of a German-Jewish dialogue after the Holocaust. He didn't write these articles in English or in Hebrew, uh, and some of them were not even translated into Hebrew until today. They were all uh, written in German and they were all aiming at the German audience. So, um, and there were, and there were, uh, and with the years and until really until the late seventies, until almost shown death, were, the death, they were always uh, elaborating. The last one was also published in English, uh, but, um, um, um but in parallel in German, but the aim was basically um, to uh, have some kind of a talk or a conversation about this non existing conversation.
0: You mentioned earlier the renewed interest in Scholem from a number of different angles. What do you attribute this new interest to, uh, and how do you situate your own book um, on, in terms of the recent scholarship? I
1: think that the research. Um, what Sholem has to offer the researcher that not many scholars can offer is on one hand the vast amount of uh, material uh, that is in the archive which reflects about the, the, his huge interest in so many different topics. As I mentioned, Gershom Sholem, K- Kabbalah research was only part of Gershom Sholem's activity. Um, you can see him also as a, a, a letter writer uh, the correspondence uh, in Sholem archive um have until now nourished many volumes um, and that were published in uh, different languages um and there's still a lot in there um his diaries that were published in english and reflect um, the time of the first around the first world war um and uh, uh, uh also historical research uh, dealing with uh, contemporary issues, also attending uh, contemporary problem or referring to contemporary problem, academic debates and political debates. And all this makes him a very rich scholar with many uh, different faces. On the other hand, it's really difficult to put the finger on who's really Sholem, which makes it, of course, very intriguing. And it opens... Um, um, a window to uh, many different uh, understandings of his of his character and figure um, what my book is doing uh, whereas a lot has been written about cholem's research and also his relationship to his research. There is no book or monograph that deals with cholem as a, as a person as an immigrant. Uh, very prominent immigrant with all this um, intellectual background that he has. But as someone who was uh, um, actually making Aliyah, uh, moving from Berlin and moving from Jerusalem and and looking at uh, uh, what was his reaction, what was his relationship to his Zionism and to his uh, land of origin after doing this uh, great step. Everyone who moved from one country to another knows um, that you always remain in a sort of dialogue and relationship with your country that you left, especially if you were born there. And it always has a place in your mind. Zionism, the demand of Zionism was to create a new homeland, something to replace that. And what I wanted to show is that with uh, the great Gershom Sholem, like with any other, uh, this was not an easy process. Uh, And, of course, his... uh, sharp intellect and vast knowledge makes uh, the manifestations of all those processes very, um, and very rich and very diverse. Uh, and, and, and it is this book, the aim of the book is to discover them and to uh, show them uh, through a different, very different types of text and from different uh, perspectives. The perspective is taking is not always the one of Sholem and the last chapter Um, very often uh, the perspective is also uh, of his German contemporaries and the way they perceive him and and, and see him. Um, So there is many views, many different gazes uh, at this figure, uh, Shoran, but not only as an intellectual, of course as an intellectual, and of course understanding also his work in the context of his biography, but actually mainly as... um, a person who is uh, uh, living, uh, an intellectual who is living uh, between two
0: worlds. To conclude, you open your book by questioning the very different images of Sholem that you confronted in Israel and in Germany. And I was wondering if you could, looking back at the book, see how you answered this um, and what exactly were these different receptions why was it so troubling to see them, uh, and how were you able to solve this riddle?
1: The puzzling was about the fact that starting this project of this book and arriving from Israel, uh, coming, I came with a certain image of, uh, of Sholem as a, a very formidable, uh, uh, strict and rigid uh, um, professor, um, and arriving in Germany and talking to people, I received a whole different image of uh, um, um, almost a nice grandpa or someone who is really uh, a good friend and tender and with a sense of humor. Um, And actually, it's true that throughout the book, I tried to um, um, find or reconcile uh, between this this gap, between these two images that existed at the same time. Uh, I have to say at the beginning that I I, I think that it's not not every uh, contradiction uh, could or should be solved, and I don't have a permanent a definite solution to that. I think that uh, it is quite fair to uh, let the historical Sholem exist uh, in a parallel with parallel figures, uh, parallel characters in two parallel worlds, um, but. If there will be a solution, uh, I think that it has to be, we had to look for it in the role that cholan played uh, in both countries. Whereas, on the one hand, in Israel, he was a university professor uh, and a scholar, an academic. And a lot of his work, a big part of the, his work, were really um, in the academic field. He built the academic field of Kabbalah. Whereas in Germany, his role was of a German writer um, with all the attributes and uh, all, everything that accompanies this title. This a writer, um, with his writing, is um, aiming to um, connect uh, generations uh, and, and to uh, provide and give some kind of continuity within the society within she or he uh, are acting um, and this was in Germany the case with scholem by as I described before by serving as a bridge um, that is linking uh, the present German intellectual world with its good past before the holocaust before uh, the great uh, um, moral uh, deterioration or at the time scholem okay let me rephrase that scholem served as a bridge between the contemporary Germany and um, the German past with the Germans wanted to be connected to. He bridged over the Nazi time, the dark time, the time of corruption, uh, into a German with which his uh, contemporaries um, could uh, uh, identify the younger German generation. And by providing this bridge, he offered uh, mitigation of this uh, big uh, um, 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 abyss uh, that existed uh, in German uh, German history for many of the younger intellectuals. By doing that, he provided them uh, uh, a possibility to move forward and to uh, uh, go on and move on the continu- line of continuity of generation in Germany. This is a role of a writer in many ways. Just like Sholem himself described the role of Agnon and Bialik uh, in the early years of Zionism as uh, bridging, uh, being a bridge to the uh, older uh, Hebrew language, and by that providing continuity. And and th- therefore, uh, while his role was a different one, his also his reaction and his the way he behaved uh, and acted was uh, also uh, different. And therefore. Um, this is where I see the difference between the two Sholem one hand a professor, uh, in Germany a writer
0: I would like to end our interview today by thanking Noam for joining us on the Jewish Studies channel of the New Books Network I'm Moses Lappin, your host and we've been talking about his new book Gershon Sholem, From Berlin to Jerusalem and Back, an intellectual biography published by Brandeis University Press in 2018